God, a great big hand. So excited that you're here today. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here too. Come on, just look at him right there and say, I'm glad you're here too. Come on. Very, very good. Hey, happy Easter, happy Resurrection Day. Come on, this is a message. Come on. There, there's only one title you can have on a day like today, and that is, He is yeah, come on. It's just like it's right there. Come on. He is risen. There we go. How many of y'all have a favorite movie? How many of y'all have a favorite movie? Okay, a lot more people than the first service. They were afraid to say they, have, they watch movies. Um, but yeah, we all, have a, yeah, we all have a favorite movie. You know, you know Easter's a lot like, like a favorite movie. Like you, you kind of like you've watched it so many times, you can actually fill in the next line of what's coming. Y'all have one of those? Yeah, like you can fill in, like, oh, this is coming, oh, but, but you know, you watch it all the way to the end. As a matter of fact, you only, if, if you're flipping through the channels and you see, you see a frame of it, you, you kind of, you, you get sucked right in, you watch the whole thing, am I right? Yeah, see, that's what kind of Easter's like. It's like this story that a lot of us, uh, we know a little bit about it, we know something about it, but we know there's this Jesus, he is risen, and it's a pretty big deal. For us in the Christian faith, it is like huge. It's really, really, really big. And, and so, but, but there are times, though, that with the Easter story, um, have you ever been to somebody else's family reunion? And, or, or been to, like, maybe somebody else knows, like, like, they're telling a story, and you know the facts about it, but you're not connected to the emotion of it. Has that ever happened? Like, so we know the facts, but we don't know quite why. Today, I don't just want to only uncover the facts of the information I want to help us get a fresh look at why it was so important. Because if we miss the why, it just becomes this kind of like this story that we hear. And I don't know about you, but I could use a fresh, I could, I, I could just use a fresh dose of what really is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ really all about and why is it so important? I think this is, this is a really big deal for us. And so there's going to be a few moments today where we're going to get to a part of the story that you know. And then you're going to be able to fill in the rest of the lines. Because this is that story. This is that movie. This is that thing. Now, have you ever watched a movie? And up, right, right before it starts, it says, based on true events. Or inspired by true events. Or maybe something comes up and says, this has nothing to do with any true event. You know. Now, the Easter story, unfortunately, there's so much being written about it and so many things being recorded. If this, if this were a movie, this is what it would look like. It, the, the, the opening scene would come up with actually, we're going to go to later in the Gospel of Luke. But actually, in Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, um, it, it's the good news of Jesus in, in the gospel. That means good news. How many of y'all could use some good news out there? Y'all need some good news? Come on. Yeah, good news. And so Luke is writing this. Actually, Luke wrote the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. Wrote both of those. And uh, that's what he's credited with. And so, we could, so that we could be certain of a few things. So let's look at Luke chapter 1 verse 2. It's, he states that he, he went to many eyewitness accounts. How many of y'all know that eyewitness accounts are pretty serious? That's pretty important, right? So you had a whole bunch of eyewitness accounts. And in verse 3 and 4, it states that he investigated very carefully. He went after the, the accurate things, like what was, it, what was the accurate account, so that why? We could be certain of what we believe. So at the beginning of this, this story, this isn't just inspired by true events. This is saying, this is... 
This is better than a Dateline expose on the story. Come on. This is better than that. Because it's like, wait a minute, there's a whole bunch of eyewitnesses. I investigated everything. I dug into this. I looked at everybody's account. I accurate records. And I want to make sure you have something that you can be certain of what you believe. Because we live in a world that we're being tested of what we really believe. Am I right or wrong? Do you really believe? Are you sure you can believe? Are you sure, you, are you sure it's real? And so that would, that's what would be at the beginning of this here. So now for the main feature. You know, we were talking as all the pastors, you know, one church in four locations. And actually today, there's nine worship times at your church. Only two of them are here. Isn't that great news? Come on. Nine times people are worshiping God in four different locations. And we were talking this morning, and we were, um, and we were like, okay, like, hey, did everybody got the, the notes? And we were talking about what, we, what we're going to communicate. And it was like, hey, just stick to the story. The story's pretty good in and of itself. Come on, somebody. How many of y'all know the story's pretty good? Come on. Yeah, so we're going to read you seven, what I'm going to call verses. I'm going to explain that in just a little bit to you. But we're going to look at this in Luke, the good news, according to Luke, the gospel, chapter 24, verse 1, very early on Sunday morning. How many of y'all know that really good things happen early in the morning? How many of you don't like that early in the morning? Come on. Yeah, I see those hands. Come on. Yeah, that's a 1045. That, there's a reason why we're at 1045, Pastor. Come on. Come on now. Come on. Early in the morning, the women went to the tomb. Now, there's no men here at this point. I know what some of you ladies are thinking. They didn't stop and ask directions. If they would have, they would have got there. Just a thought. They were taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. So here we find, first of all, that they met on, this was a Sunday morning. They went real early. Do you know that still today, 2,000 years plus years later, we still meet on Sunday mornings because up until this time, God's people primarily met on Saturdays, uh, Saturdays, but something switched because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they started to get together. Actually, Acts chapter 20, verse 7, 1 Corinthians 16, said they, came, they began to get together on the first day of the week. This isn't the end of the weekend. This is the first day of the week. I can't think of a better way to start my week than right here. Just hit reset. How many of y'all need a reset? Yeah, we need a reset. Hello. Yeah. And so we're still doing something that began because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the women brought the, the spices there. And now listen, this is a little different. So what were these spices? Now I want to let you know, they were not like brown sugar and thyme to put on the Easter ham. That's not what they were getting. They had spices because Jesus was buried in haste very rapidly. And his body wasn't prepared for burial at this point. So they were bringing things to the tomb to officially prepare his body for burial. So that was very significant. These were the church ladies. There was a whole bunch of church ladies. There was, there was Mary Magdalene. And then there was Mary, the mother of James. Some gospels, you'll see, she's referred to as the other Mary. How many of you like, you're the other one? Yeah. And then there was Joanna, and then there were several women, and, and they were there because they wanted to prepare his body 
accordingly here. And that's what's so important here. But I want to let you know that the stone, in front of the big stone, it was not rolled away so Jesus could get out. Because quite frankly, he could have got out without the stone being rolled away. The stone was moved so they could look in and say that he's not here anymore. See, the stone was moved so that they could look in and say, oh, he's not there. It was, Jesus wasn't, wasn't bound by that big, big rock in front of the tomb. But it was so that we could experience something so awesome and so great here. And so the story goes on in verse 4. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed down with their faces to the ground. And then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Come on. See, why? See, a lot of people, they're looking, for, they're looking for Jesus, but they're looking into traditions of man or the rules and regulations. They're looking in religiosity. They're looking in traditions and, and all of these things. But we find life in Jesus, and he is alive. See, this is a big deal. He lived a sinless life. He died a horrible, horrible crucifixion. He was dead, buried, and he rose again. That, hey, it gets better. He went to heaven to prepare a place for us. Can you believe there's, there's a place being prepared for his followers in heaven? I'm kind of excited about that because he's been here for a couple thousand years, and he was a carpenter, so you know it's going to be nice. But not only that, we're not going to have to cut grass or pull weeds in heaven. Not going to have to clean house. Yeah, not going not to have to prepare a meal. Matter of fact, there's going to be a feast in heaven with no calories. Come on. Yeah. You think your buffet's good today. Hmm. Yeah, come on. There's, but, but heaven's a great, great place. See, some people think heaven's just a place where a bunch of baby with diapers are playing harps. I don't like that picture of heaven. I'm not going for babies and diapers and harps, okay? Heaven's a strong place. It's a great place. It's a wonderful place. It's a tangible place. And it's prepared for people who are followers of Jesus Christ. And for us who are followers and the resurrection power of Jesus Christ has changed our lives. We can look forward to that. We don't have to fear that. It's awesome. It's a great place here. And so what? So these angels are speaking, speaking here and, and they're saying, hey, don't look anywhere else here. Verse 6, here it is. Your big line's coming up. Here it is. Here's, he isn't here. He is risen. See, you saw that movie too, didn't you? You saw the movie. Yeah, he is risen. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, but he would rise again on the third day? Now, now, men, I, I want to let you know, how many of y'all believe that the Bible's a holy book? It's a really good book. How many of y'all believe that the Bible's a good book? And how many believe it's, it's good for a lot of good, great, great things? So right here, men, I want to point out to you that you have proof in the Bible that women forget things too. <laughs> yeah. 
Some of the men in here are like, where is that chapter? Where is that verse? I just, I need that one. Yeah, because six chapters earlier, they, it was written what Jesus is going to happen. That's what he's they're referring to. And they're saying, listen, this is going to happen. But how many of y'all know we all forget? How many of y'all know we all need reminded? I need reminded of the goodness of God. That's why we get together on the first day of the week, to remind ourselves of the goodness of God, to remind us of the greatness of God here. That's why we're here, and that's why we, we need this here. He, t- he said this must be. This must be. It's a package deal. He's not on the cross. He's not left in the tomb. Come on. Come on. Women were the first ones to testify of Jesus. We, listen, I want to tell you, Christianity is the only world religion that esteems and respects and honors women. See, there's a lot being written. Well, Christianity degrades women, puts them down. That's not true. Look what, look what Jesus did. Women were the first one to attest of his, him being, being risen from the dead. They're honored. They were followers of Jesus. So here's the big idea. Here's the big idea. Here it is. Here we go. The resurrection of Jesus provides us with three divine privileges. Three divine privileges. Real bold right here. You're going to help me out. Let's say these three together real loud. The first one we get is peace with God, undeserved privilege, purpose, and friendship. Those are pretty good privileges. Those are pretty good. So I, we read this story of Resurrection Sunday, early in the morning, Jesus is alive. But now we're going we're gonna to look at we're, we're going to look at why was it so important? Because if we dismiss the if we we just look at the why without with or we look at the what without the why, it, it, it's not going to have meaning. It loses its luster to us. And I want it to be fresh in my heart, and I want it to be fresh in yours. So if that was the main feature. If those seven, what I call verses, what the Bible calls verses, are the main feature of the movie, now we're going to go to the book of Romans. The book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul to those in Rome. This would almost be like what I'm going to call as a documentary on the movie Jesus. This is actually a 16-part documentary, but I'm not going to do all 16 chapters. I'm not going to do that right now. I'm just going to give you a little clip. But what the Apostle Paul is doing with those who lived in Rome is writing a letter to them, okay, explaining all of the benefits, all the benefits of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's what he's doing. So we're going to take like a kind of an in-depth look at a few of these great divine privileges we have, and I'm praying that they will never get old in our lives. May they never get old. May we hold fast to these. Now, as we read the Bible, we see in, in, in on the screen at different times, you'll see maybe like Romans 4 dot dot, and then there's another number. When the Bible was written, like when the Apostle Paul wrote it, he wasn't, ri- he wasn't writing in terms of what we call verses and chapters. He was actually not writing like that at all. He was writing a letter. He didn't say, oh, I'm going to pause and come back and write another chapter, like a book, like what we would call a typical uh, story. So we have that chapter four, dot, dot. 
25. That's the verse 25. To help us find things in the Bible so when we study, when we read, we can break it down in systematic ways to understand it. Listen, I'm very thankful that they did that. I, I, I don't know about you, but I need all the help I can get. Come on, somebody. Now, you may wonder what that NLT, what on earth does that mean? There are different translations in the Bible, of the Bible, the versions, translations. What this one stands for is the NLT is the New Living Translation. It's not the only one. It's just one of many. It, it happens to be one of my favorites, and since I'm standing up here, you get to read it too. Now, I'm not saying it's better than others. It's different. That's all. It has a different translation here. And so when we see maybe NAS, New American Standard, or KJV, King James, that has all the these and thouists and ameneths and all those things. Now, now New Living, I'm going to be honest with you, and this is why I like it, because I like the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus. Actually, let me let, let, me let you in on a secret here. The New Living Translation, it's written to an eighth grade education. <laughs> Maybe that's why I like it so much. I don't know. When I graduated high school, I had an eighth grade education. That's where I, that's where I scored at, is eighth grade. Maybe I'm stuck there. I'm not sure what happened, but I, I like it. What I'm just trying to explain to you is I'm trying to give you confidence of why we read certain things and why certain things are the way they are. Is it the only one we could read? No. It's just I'm trying to make it simplistic because at the end of the day, I don't just want knowledge and have information. I want to know what, I, what I'm going to do with what Jesus has asked me to do. How about you? See, I'm, I'm going to try to figure out what, we, what are we going to do with this knowledge? How are we going to act on it? How are we going to grow in it? Is anybody with me this morning that's important? That's why we're here today on the first day of the week. So now we're going to look at this, this documentary in Romans chapter 4, verse 25. And this he, the first word there, is Jesus. He was handed over to die because of our sins. Not only the sins of those who have gone before him, those who were with him. The reason he had to go to the cross was because of your sin and my sin. Sin means missed the mark. It means fell short. Some sins were done to me. and Some sins were done by me. But he went to the cross for both of those. For sins. But and he was raised to life to make us right with God. See, see look, he, the cross covers my sins, but, but being but raised from the dead, that gives me life. See, we didn't just have a sin problem, we have a life problem. I, we have a life problem. Are we, en are we enjoying the life of God to the fullest? Are we really experiencing that the way that we should? That's the question here. So he was handed over. He was subjected to. He was under their, their jurisdiction here. And then he was raised to life to make us right with God. This is a fancy word called justification. Justification. It literally means that we were guilty. We were guilty here. And he removes the guilty sentence that we carried. So let me give you a way, not the way, to remember when you say that you're right with God. How do we remember it? It's just as if. Let's see those, 
say those three words. Just as if. Now we're going to say them like we're in Pittsburgh. Just as if. There we go. Just as if. Yeah. Just as if. Yeah. Just as if. Yeah. And so, but just as if we've never sinned. He, he took the penalty of sin away. And he, he's justified our lives and made us just as if. And we receive this by faith. This is so important here. Now listen, let me try to explain it this way. Many times in our life, we settle for divine removal when the resurrection gives us divine approval. The cross gives us divine removal. It removes the sin from our lives. Being raised from the dead gives us divine approval. And I'm going to tell you, why settle for one when you could have both? See, this is where it gets good. He died for our sins so that we could be removed, but then he rose from the dead so that we could have life. That's right. See, I never, I never want to lose you know, respect for God and what he's done. That's why we honor him and we sing to him and we praise him the way we, the way we do. But many times what happens in our life, we're so focused on the cost that we forget the benefits. How many, where's my parents out there? Any parents here? How many parents out there have ever paid things, like paid, in, in paid the price so your kids could participate in certain things? Yeah, maybe sports, new pair of cleats, dance shoes, music, right? You, you paid a lot of money, right? Okay. And then some parents, I've even heard of this being done, is they actually pay for their kids to go to college, okay? And they've, now, do, do you pay the cost for your kids' college? Do you pay the cost for all those things so that for the rest of their lives, you could hold it over their head and say, you better be thankful? Well, I hope you don't. I'm just not, yeah. 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 No, you, you paid that so that they could have freedom to do something they couldn't do on their own. See, Jesus paid the cost of something you and I could never pay on our own. I couldn't be good enough to get to heaven. On my best day, there's not enough rules to follow that I could be good enough to get there. But he paid the cost not to hold it over our heads and say, you better be thanking me down there. I don't hear you. You look me in the eyes when you say thank you. Right? See, he, he's not trying to hold it over our head as you, you better this and you better that. He did it so that we could have freedom. You see, that's the point here. That's the point of what he wants to give us. So he wants to give us peace with God. Let's keep reading now in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Again, that verse goes right into the verse 1 here. And so here we have the first word here is, is therefore. Now let me tell you how I learned to interpret the Bible. I like it simplistic. Whenever you see a therefore, find out what it's there for. You, you went to the same Bible school I did. Come on. Yeah. See, because it's linking two things. It's linking one thought into the next thought. So because of what he just wrote, what I just shared with you, he's writing the next thought here. Since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, 
We have peace with God because of what Jesus, our Lord, has done for us. Wow. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. I don't know about you, but that's kind of makes that's exciting. Come on, we've been made right with God, something you could never do on your own on your best day. There's not enough rules you can, you can believe in. There's not enough good things you can do. I mean, I, I grew up thinking like that the whole deal, like if I just do, if I do enough good things, it'll un, outweigh the bad things. And I thought, man, when I die, as long as the good things are outweighing the bad things, I'm going to be okay. But when I heard the good news, I heard I don't have to wait anymore and try to, try to balance that scale. That scale's already been balanced by Jesus Christ because he took the weight of my sin and shame. Come on, somebody. He took all my sin, my guilt, my condemnation, my shame, and I'm excited about that. So the first thing that we get here is peace with God. Not just the peace of God, but we get peace with God. I, wow. See, all of us want, we, we, we want peace. We live in a crazy world. I just want some peace. When, when you have young kids, all you want is peace and quiet. <laughs> you, you, you knew that one really well. I'm just telling you. Just give me some quiet, Lord, please. But we have peace, right? And, 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 but we have peace with. So the question is, is do you have peace with God based on your terms or based on his terms? See, I... I I ask people all the time, I says, how you and how you and Jesus doing? Oh, we're cool. We're good. And I always tell people, like, are, are you on talking terms? I talk. He listens. Huh. And, and I say, well, how are you really doing? Oh, yeah, we're cool. Me and Jesus is cool. Well, what if I were to call Jesus right now, what would he say? Okay, let me let me put it to you this way. I love meeting with men of the church, and, and I'll ask them, I'll say, hey, how, how, are you, how are you and your wife doing? Oh, we're cool. That's really, you're, you're good. Yeah, we're doing great, wonderful. And then I say, if I were to call her on the phone right now and ask her how you're really doing, what would she say? <laughs> um, maybe we ought to talk. See, because the peace with goes both ways. It's not just one-sided, it's both ways. And the way that we have peace with God is because of what Jesus has done. So I don't just have the peace of God, I got peace with God. And it is so awesome that through all the storms, the pains, the problems, the world is a crazy place. But I don't just have the peace of God, I got peace with God. And that brings me confidence. That brings me joy. That brings me all of these things here. Not only that, it gets better. In addition to the peace with God, what we also get is an undeserved privilege. Undeserved privilege. This is a fancy way to say the word grace. Now, grace isn't only stopping before you eat dinner 
and saying, Grace, thank you, God, for this food. Grace, G-R-A-C-E. This is how I learned it. God's riches at Christ's expense. It's everything God gives because of what Jesus did. He paid the price, so now I get his riches. This is a pretty good deal. Jesus paid the price for us. It's the unmerited, unearned, undeserved privilege that results in freedom to live our best life now. Uh, see, see, many people, I feel bad. They say, they say oh, the Bible, it's, it's filled with all these rules and regulations, and it's filled with all these things you got to do. Oh, you're missing the point. Oh, no, you're missing the point. It's a book that gives freedom. It's a book that gives life. I'm living my best life now in preparation of heaven. I get to live this book, and it's a joyful book. It's not a book where God's holding it over my head just waiting, waiting for it to drop. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. I, it's, it's full of freedom and life and joy because I don't have to walk in the condemnation and the guilt and all those other things. Hey, I said it before. I'm going to say it again. If you're wondering what freedom looks like, it's right here, right now. You say, man, that's pretty arrogant. No, I just know Jesus. I didn't say my life's perfect. I didn't say I got it all, I got it all together. No, I belong to the one that keeps it all together. I don't just have divine removal. I got divine approval. And this has changed and transformed my life. I worship him not because I have to, not because he's up in heaven and we sing these songs to remind us, to remind us and remind us of his greatness, not because God's up in heaven saying, you better, you better get this. No, I get to do it joyfully but because I, I do need reminded. Now, how many of you all, how many of y'all have heard, this, heard of this place called Kennywood? Okay, about 10 of you. How many of y'all like Kennywood? Okay, even if, even if you like gravy fries, cheese and gravy and bacon fries, come on. If one's better, three's best, come on. <laughs> yeah. See, see when, we, when we become followers of Jesus, it's like because of what Jesus paid, he gives us this unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. He gives us a live life in freedom pass. It's like getting a season pass. It's like getting a lifelong free pass to Kennywood. But many people take that and they receive it. And all they want to do is they just want to make sure that they just get in every now and then. Look around. And they watch everybody else have fun. And then they leave. But they're not experiencing the joy and the fun uh, that, that you can have. Even if it's eating the good food. Even if it's the merry-go-round. Come on. Where's my merry-go-round people out there? Come on. Yeah, yeah, see, but, but we have this past to enjoy life to the fullest, but we're not doing that. We just go in, we watch everybody else, they look happy and joyful, and then we leave. Do you know what happens in life? It's just like Kennywood. It's filled with ups and downs and twists and turns and everything else in between. But when you have Jesus, it's a lot of fun. It's a joy. And I know I watch certain people watch, go on certain rides, and I'm like, I, I don't like that ride. But they're having fun. 
But see, what I'm trying to communicate to you is that Jesus paid the price for us to experience something so great and so awesome and so wonderful that we don't just have to go and watch everybody else have fun. It's for you too. It's for all of us. That's the undeserved privilege of the resurrection of Jesus. Not only the cross, but the resurrection. Not just divine removal, but a divine approval. We can experience this. And now we stand. That means it's not a one and done. It's not a, I did that once. Oh, I, that's over with. No, 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 no. It's, a, it's now we stand like this because of what Jesus has done. Now, there's a question. And we at Bridge City Church, especially here at Murraysville, and, 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 and if you're new here, you're going you're gonna to learn how typically we respond. A lot of people here respond. When we say, how are you doing? How do you respond? How are you doing? And, and, and what everybody says, better than I or better than we deserve. It's just a, it's just a, it's just a statement of, it's actually, it's a theological statement. Now, have you, sometimes, you know, somebody says, how are you doing? You really want to know? Uh, it. It's bad. Nobody cares. Have you ever ran into somebody that you haven't seen for a very, very long time? And, and you say, how you doing? And they begin to tell you. Has that ever happened? That ever happened to you? Yeah, they begin to tell you. They begin to, they begin to speak that to you. I know somebody came to mind right there. Somebody came to mind. Listen, but how are we doing better than I deserve, is actually a spiritual statement, not a my life is perfect statement. That is in the midst of everything going on in life, it is well with my soul. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. That is a joy. See, this is what it means. Mercy, mercy means I have peace with God. I didn't get what I deserved. I deserved hell, but I didn't get it because of Jesus. Not only that, but now I got grace. I receive now power and purpose, and I receive peace and privilege as a result of what Jesus did. But then it gets better. He redeems my past, and he restores my future. That is exciting. See, but we need to remember this is what it is. This is what it is. Or it just becomes a bunch of rules, do's and don'ts, you betters and betters not, and these and thou's and everything else. You know, we get together on the first day of the week, 52 Sundays a year, to celebrate this. To remind ourselves, we sing songs to reset our mind. We, we, we hear words from the Bible, the inspired word of God, that brings change and transformation to lives because we honor the word of God. And we see our lives being changed and transformed more and more like Jesus each and every day. Come on, somebody. So we're still doing what they did, what they started way back in Acts, in the book of Acts, getting together on the first day of the week to continue to worship and continue to honor God, to learn about Him. I think that is such good news. I want to finish up reading to you a couple Verses further down in uh, Romans 5, 9. And I'm going to tell you confidently and joyfully looking forward here. Wow. 
and sense we have been made right in God's sight. May that never get old. Church, church, some of y'all, we've been doing this Easter thing a long, long time. Heard this message all along. May it never get old. May that never, ever, never, ever get old. When it gets old, we got to go back and revisit it. Stir it up again, right? Yeah. By the blood of Jesus Christ. He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, while we were still His enemies... While we were enemies, he did this. He didn't wait for us to become friendly. He did it when we were an enemy. Wow. Restored us. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Now, I never want to lose respect and honor for God the Father, Abba Father, Jesus Savior, Lord. Those are, those are very proper words. But He took us who were enemies and made us friends. I think that's pretty significant. Now we have a relationship, we have a purpose in a relationship. I think that's pretty cool. I think that's so awesome. And we're celebrating this. And, and, we're, and we're friends because we began a relationship. Every now and then on Facebook, for those who are on social media, Facebook, every now and then it says, you were friends with this person for how long? You began a relationship. You were friends. My wife, Natalie, and I, We know when our relationship was serious because on October 14th, nineteen eighty-nine, we began a relationship. We we stood up in front of some people we knew and a whole bunch of people we didn't know, and we pledged our lives to one another. We're off limits to the world. We're off limits to everybody else. That's what we said. So we're going to spend the rest of our lives learning how to love one another. We had a clear beginning. We didn't just wander into it. We made a date and said, this is it. We're, we're all in. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we can have peace with God, an undeserved privilege, and a relationship that has purpose. So I'm, I want to ask you, did you... Do you have a day, a moment, or time when you began a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ, not being good enough, but through Jesus, this fancy word called repentance, which means changing directions. That's, a, that, that's what we did. That's, what we, that's, that's what we, who we are. Let me try to explain to you this way. There's a a very famous statement in the Bible called 
you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Have you ever heard that? said a lot at funerals. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Because of Jesus, we don't have to face death spiritually because he took it for us. And we now walk through the shadow. Let me try to give you this picture. Would you rather face the truck or pass through the shadow? Jesus took on the truck so that we can go through the shadow. The shadow. Oh, we're still going to die physically, but spiritually, I'm going to live with Jesus. But I'm not waiting to get to heaven to enjoy it. I'm doing it now. That's what I'm doing right now. So the picture right there is, do you, which are you going to do? You're going to wait till you die and sit for him and face the truck, or are you going to go through the shadow? Which, which is it? I'm here today to say you're coming down the road. We've got to decide what we're going to do. Accept his provision or do it on your own. If you've heard in, a, in our time together here, anything that was helpful to you, anything at all that was helpful and encouraging to you today, would you stand to your feet so I could pray for you? You just anything else, all you're saying is, ah, that was helpful. This, wow, that was not, not good. I, I hate to use that term, but just, um, I just, man, that was helpful. Lord God, I pray for every person here today, God. I pray for every person, God. Lord God, that God, you would help us remember one of the most significant dates in history. Jesus, when you rose from the dead. And let the power of the peace with God and the undeserved privilege and the purpose and the relationship, let that burn in our hearts, oh God. Help us learn to be followers of Jesus. Now, if you're here today and you don't have a day, a moment, or time, when you began a relationship with God the Father, you came to the right place. For Jesus Christ took on your guilt, shame, condemnation, everything of the sins done to you and by you, of missing the mark, to give you a divine removal, but now he wants to give you a divine approval, and he wants to teach you how to live according to his word and his ways. So we're going to do something different. I'm going to ask everybody in the room right now that can hear me. We're going to pray this prayer together as a reminder of the resurrection power of Jesus. Church, pray this out loud. Say, Father God, forgive me, for I have sinned. I have fallen short. I repent of my sin. I ask you, Jesus, to be my forgiver and now be my leader. Lead me into my life of freedom with you. Lord God, thank you, Father, for every person in this room right now, Lord God, that prayed that prayer, maybe even some for the very first time, Lord. And God, I thank you, Father, that you brought us here for such a time as this, Lord. God, let today be a day of not just getting better, but a day where we, pat, we go from being dead to being alive. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you can be seated. I just want to let you know on every seat in this 
auditorium right here, there's a card. I just want you, everybody, every person here, no matter if you've been here for decades or this is your first day here, I just want you to take, take this card right out right now. And there's a pen. And you may say, wow, that's a really cool pen. I want to let you know, you can keep that pen. You can take it home with you if you fill out the card. No, I'm just kidding. You can take it home. I'm asking everybody in the room right now to just fill out this card. Even if you say you've been here for years, just fill it out. And Because um, we're, we're updating all of our info to make sure that we have good, good information. And, and also, if you'd be so kind to write clearly and legibly so we can actually see the numbers and we can communicate with you later in, in, in what's going on at our church. But on this card, there is a really cool thing. It says, I want to make Jesus the forgiver of my past and the leader to my future. If you prayed that prayer that we did earlier for the first time, or maybe you're re-upping your life and saying, I'm just re-upping my commitment. I want you to check off that box. Why? So we can pray for you. So everybody in the room right now is filling this out. Everybody's filling this out. And so in, in just a little bit, when the offering basket comes around, we're all going to put it in there. And maybe you're offering your life to Jesus today. That's your offering. So if you prayed that prayer and you want today to be your day, Check off that box. I want to make Jesus the forgiver of my past and the leader to my